Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And welcome to the new year. It is officially 2021. I hope everyone had a great and safe celebration. Uh, Obviously, we're off to a great start this year. Obviously, that's also a pun. But hey, (laughs) it's only the first couple of weeks here. So uh, first week off, Justin, new year. What's going on? How, how's 2021 treating you so far? Uh, treating me personally, uh, it's not bad. Um, got a, a lot of great things going on. Um, a lot of stuff for my guild going on. But uh, yeah, overall doing pretty good. Uh, got the cover for my new, uh, the release, the re-release of my book, The Griffin. Uh, so we're all set to do that pretty soon, hopefully within the next couple weeks. And then after that, it's on to getting the worm out. I just need to do some finalization on that. So I'm super excited. Um, what about you? Uh, I mean, it's been going all right. It's, uh, well, I, I was, had the opportunity to spend, you know, as you know, a couple of weeks with my girlfriend and our dogs. So the dogs are crazy <laughs> love them to death but they're crazy um <clears throat> but it was a lot of fun you know they just left uh oh by the time this airs a couple of days ago so uh, it was a good time it's nice having them around for a while and just you know be able to hang out and and this week so far has been pretty relaxing for the most part uh, i'm trying to get back into some writing aspect it's so hard for me to write when i have my girlfriend and the dogs around because I just want to spend time with them. Uh, And of course, when I wake up in the morning, it's usually when I do all my writing, naturally both dogs want to get up with me and they want to play and they want to eat. And, you know, there's no way I'm going to write. They'll they'll come (laughs) up and bring their toys to me and stuff like that. So I was like, I'll just wait. So hopefully get into some writing coming up here. A couple things to do as well. Uh, But other than that, yeah, it's, it's going good so far. Hope hopefully it gets better because I know there's some crazy stuff happening recently. Right. Well, um, I guess we'll get going with today's episode. I mean, there's really no announcements except for welcome to 2021, folks. Um, I hope that this year uh, starts out for all of you better than 2020. Um, but uh, we've got. So much great stuff going on on New Lantern Media. We've got Paratruth Radio, Paranormal Heart, uh, Beyond Reason, and let's talk about it. Uh, Hopefully a new one joining very, very soon uh, featuring Heidi Linden. Uh, We are still working out the details on that one, but uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, so we'll get going. Um, This week's episode, I I reached out to Eric, and I know we've kind of talked about this in the past, just kind of generally, is exorcisms. Um, And I didn't want to concentrate completely on Christianity because there are other cultures that have exorcism rituals. So I wanted to dig into that and be like, okay, are there similarities? Are there like major differences between cultures and even just Christianity and other cultures. So I was super excited to, to look into this and thankfully we haven't gone, gone into an in-depth conversation about this. So uh, that's why I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's do that because this is something that's actually really interesting and we haven't really talked a whole lot about it other than, you know, from a Christian standpoint. So um, 
I guess we'll, we'll start out with Christianity, Eric, since you know a lot of the rituals, um, both from a, uh, a Christian standpoint compared to like Catholicism and other uh, denominations of the faith. Um, so I guess we'll, I, I want you to kind of explain both, uh, maybe just Catholicism and what you've been taught through your teachings. Yeah, well, Catholicism is kind of its own beast in a way. You know, they they pretty much govern themselves. I mean, the Vatican is right. basically its own country. <laughs> so a lot of what Catholics do in terms of the ritual is more or less, I mean, it's not totally different, but it's somewhat different from something like a Baptist church or, you know, something like that. You know, and one of the prime things, of course, here is the fact that in Catholicism, the only person who's allowed to do a exorcism right or perform an exorcism right is a uh, a priest or a bishop who has been given authority by the deacons, uh, by the church to perform the exorcism. So it can't be just any priest that's a Catholic priest. You have to actually be ordained as an exorcist. You have to go into training where at, you, you it's not really like so much. Uh, schooling like you would think it is you know i think there's this this weird belief it's not a weird belief but it's it it seems like it would be normal hey i want to become an exorcist let's go to school and learn how to become an exorcist and that's not how it works uh there is a book So the name of the book is the Ritual Romanum. Uh, this is the book that the Catholics use or uh, study when performing an, an exorcism. It's the order of exorcism. Uh, and this book goes through really everything that the priest should need to, or should do during a ritual. Now, every ritual is a little different, of course, depending on the circumstances. But for the most part, the priests are to stay very uh, close to this particular order. Uh, and that's going to include various prayers from like the Psalms. There's going to be prayers from the gospel. There's going to be uh, pre- pre- preparatory prayers. Uh, these are things where like he's using the cross and, and things like that to protect himself. Uh, and of course, there's also a, a number of other prayers that include both praying to God to cast out the spiritual entity, the demon or whatever it is, uh, as well as prayers in which he's casting out or commanding the demon to come out in the name of Christ, uh, which is something that I've talked about in the past, whether mm-hmm. you should talk to a demon or you shouldn't. You know, Do you command a demon to come out or do you ask God to, to cast him out? And according to the ritual Romanum, the priests should at the very beginning, not the very beginning, but the priest should first and foremost when praying, pray to God, ask God to intervene, cast out the demon, you try to avoid having to talk to the demon in and of itself, uh, unless you absolutely have to. He's not coming out. Then you might try to command him out uh, using the name of Christ. Now, one thing that's really interesting uh, that is different, I think, between that and some other Christians, whether they're uh, evangelicals or, or Baptists or uh, just someone who's a, uh, what do you call it, like a... <laughs> I can't think of the name of it. They, I guess non-denominational. These are the people, like technically I'm a non-denominational. And a lot of times right, you'll, say, right. you'll hear these people say, uh, these Christians, they'll say, oh, I'm I'm not a Christian or I'm not Baptist. I'm just a person with a relationship with Christ, you know, in a relationship with Christ uh, because they want to exclude themselves from being part of a majority, I guess, you know, because clearly we all know certain elements with the Christian, uh, Catholic church that have happened over the years, some not very good right. things. Uh, and so when you say you're Catholic and this is maybe stereotypical, but there's a lot of Catholics that even I've met who are a little 
little bit of a jerk, right? They're a little <laughs> too much. They're a little uh, too judgy. And so when you say, oh, I'm a Catholic, some people's first thought is, eh, got to stay away from them. They're going to judge the heck out of me, right? So, Well, I have to stop you there because when you first came back to your faith, hmm. you were a little judgy too. Indeed, so. <laughs> indeed. But, <laughs> you, no, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. The, <clears throat> oh, that's why I'm saying it's, it's stereotypical because right. not, obviously not all Catholics are like that. But there are plenty of all types of Christians or uh, Buddhists and you know Muslims who are like that, but right. not all of them. Some of them are very laid back. Some of them know, like, hey, I'm not going to push this on you. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong or you're evil or this or that. You know, it's just this is what I believe. This is why. You don't want to believe it. That's on you. Uh, but if you do believe it, cool, great. Let's let's talk some more. Uh, so the thing is though when it comes to like the non-denominational uh, side of things, it, there's no one really to organize or orchestrate who has the right to perform an exorcism and who doesn't. Uh, you'll often see Christians who are maybe working within the church, people who are higher up, they could be deacons, uh, they could be your, your pastor or maybe a children's pastor or something like that, who has studied exorcisms, who studied demonic entities and spiritual warfare, who may give some sort of advice or perform some type of exorcism. Uh, it's not going to follow necessarily the, the rights of the Catholic church, but they'll do it in their own way or through their own rights. Uh, one, like when I was learning there, there's some very important staples that you should follow. Not everybody does, but these are things that you should consider when performing an exorcism. And that is, of course, uh, fasting, making sure that uh, you're right with God, your mind is connected with God, your spirit is connected with God, your body is connected with God. Uh, you don't want any sin within your life, polluting your mind or your body or anything like that when you're going up against a evil entity. Uh, because if you are, if you have any type of that sin that's uh, weighing you down, it's going to use that against you. And so you have to be pure, in quotation remarks, uh, in the sight of this demon. Uh, and the best way to do that is through fasting and prayer to get right with God. Second is when you go in, you don't want to be alone. And this is something that's, in, that's common, both with uh, Catholicism and non-denominational Christians is it's very, very important that the priest or whoever is performing the exorcism doesn't do it by themselves. They're not to be in a room, locked in a room by themselves with whoever the possessed person is uh, because you need one, witnesses for a number of reasons. I mean, one obviously is because uh, legal, legally, <laughs> you know, you don't want this person who's possessed to come around and say something or the demon to come around and say something and accuse the priest and then you have this whole other issue. Uh, so it's good to have witnesses there. But also, uh, as a type of spiritual protection, you want to have other Christians with you or other believers. And they don't have to be uh, exorcists. They could be just Bible-believing people uh, who, who love God and who truly believe that God has dominion over this demonic entity. Uh, and having them there will both empower uh, the, the cord that is the cord that's not easily broken when you have multiple Christians and God uh, intertwined. Uh, but it's also there to keep the the priest ready, you know, to keep him in shape, to keep him sharp. Uh, if somebody can be watching the priest and you see that the priest is starting to maybe uh, get hammered down a little by this demon, maybe he's looking a little weak or something's odd or something's off, you know, uh, that can be brought to his attention and they can regroup. So it's always good to work as a group because single-handedly you're there's a good chance you can get walked all over you know worse even whether you're a priest or just a bible believing christian who has like a really strong faith you're dealing with something that's beyond humanity something that was created mm -hmm. way long before us they're smarter they're stronger uh, at least in terms of physicality uh they're very wise but you have God on your side, you know? And I think that's the main, one of the big things you have to remember too going into an exorcism is that it's not you who has dominion over this, this demon 
or these entities. It's God who has dominion through you. So, you know, it, once you allow pride like that to seep in, and I've seen exorcists do that, they have this pride where, oh, it's, I'm the exorcist, I'm doing this. They fall. Eventually they fall. Uh, so you do have to have that humility. You have to go in there knowing where your place is uh, with the full intention of helping and guiding the person who is, of course, possessed. Uh, right. One other thing, I mean, there's oh, so many things to this, but one other thing that's very important, <laughs> of course, and we've talked about this in the past, is knowing whether or not a person is actually possessed right. or not. Right. Uh, so before an exorcist even considers doing a write-up exorcism, he actually has to, he or she has to have uh, medical experts come in and evaluate them, both psychologically and physically, uh, make sure that everyone concurs that there's something more happening with this person beside a mental disorder or some type of uh, physical stress. Uh, it has to be determined that this is definitely, uh, at least as far as they can tell, uh, a, a spiritual entity that is attached to them. And with that said, they can then progress into or proceed into the rite of exorcism. And that's when you get all your, your supplies together and supplies being like your holy water, your, your crucifixes, your uh, rosary, things like that. At least those mm -hmm. are the symbols. Um, and of course, have your book. Uh, be able to read those prayers. And that's all an exorcism really is, by the way. It's just prayers. It's a list of a bunch of prayers. Um, one thing is supposedly getting to know a demon's name or knowing a demon's name. There's a lot of debate on that between faiths, but and we could talk about that a little later. But it is mostly prayer. Uh, you know, th there's nothing crazy to it. It's having the right mindset and having these prayers according to the Catholic, the Catholic right. Right. Well, that's one thing that I, th I think that has been under, under debate for a long time now with the Catholic Church is uh, between uh, non-denominational Christians and the Catholic Church specifically is knowing the name of the demon. Because if you know the name of the demon or spirit, that means you get control over it. And, right. you know, to me, that that whole thing is, uh, that's a path that is not a very good thing to be trying to to do because if you control a demon uh then you're getting into things like um the stories of king solomon and how he supposedly was trapping demons to do his will and stuff like that and eventually he fell correct yeah well he fell not so much because of trapping demons that came later uh, and okay. that's not even biblical. That's uh, apocryphal. Well, yeah, that's more apocryphal. Uh, what happened with Solomon is he, well, you know, he had a thousand wives. And one right. of the big things of scripture is being that you uh, marry someone who's like, like you in faith, meaning that if you're a Christian, she should be a Christian or he should be a Christian. Right. If you know, you're a woman, um, because what happens is, like Solomon, you have a thousand and this, this is probably has happened to everybody, whether you're a man or a woman, you meet somebody, you really like them. You start to like the things that they like, even though you don't really like them. And you start doing those things. Um, and then you start thinking, why am I doing these things? Especially after you break up. So why did I, why did I become this? Why did I do that? That's what happened to Solomon. He was really close to God. He was really close. He had all this power. He got all these women. These women came from other backgrounds. They started doing a lot of spiritualistic uh, things within the house. House. I mean, this is a huge <laughs> kingdom that he's got, right? Uh, but, you know, they, they brought in, uh, his wives brought in oh, like mediumship and spiritism and all these other things that he hadn't known beforehand. And he had more knowledge of this stuff. And he started giving into the, some of those other faiths and talking to these other entities and praying. And of course, that's where this whole demon thing came up with him. Right. Uh, trapping demons supposedly and using them for his, his bidding or his will. Uh, so as, as that happened, he fell away from God because you can't drink from the cup of the Lord and drink from the cup of the devil as well. It's gotta be one or the other. And 
he he fell. And as far as we know, he fell. You know, according to the Song of Song, um, Song of Songs, which is a book supposedly written out by by uh, Solomon himself in the Bible. It's basically his distress call. It's everything that had happened after he he had fallen away. It's thinking back to why did I do this? Why did I let go of God like I did? Uh, where am I now? You know, so. Right. Well, I guess we'll we'll kind of get into some of the other faiths too now. And the, the one that kind of really fascinated me, um, it was the first in this list um, here is because it's in alphabetical order uh, is Buddhism. And Buddhism, it's actually a day ritual. It's a, like they they do this in in a day uh, or on a certain day. The ritual of the exercising ghost day is part of Tibetan tradition. Uh, the Tibetan religious ceremony Gutor, and I do apologize if I slaughter any of these words. Uh, literally, offering offering of the twenty ninth is held on the twenty ninth of the twelfth Tibetan month with its focus on driving out all negative, including evil spirits and misfortunes of the past year, and starting the new year in a peaceful and auspicious way. The temples and monasteries throughout Tibet hold grand religious dance ceremonies, with the largest at Patala Palace in Lhasa. Families clean their houses on this day, decorate the rooms, and eat a special noodle soup called Guthuk. Uh, in the evening, the people carry torches, calling out the words of exorcism. Uh, in Sri Lanka, Sinhala Buddhists invoke the protection of the Buddha as well as the deity Sin, Sin, Sunayam to control and disperse dangerous supernatural forces in a ritual known as Yaktovil. What is Yaktovil? Well, I'm glad you asked, Eric. Yaktavil is a lengthy, complex ritual that prevents malevolent supernatural beings from overpowering patients. This ritual br brings the patients into the protective manifold of the Buddha. During the ritual, offering baskets for several yaksha, or nature divinities, are placed on a bench. One of the baskets is devoted to Sun uh, Sanyam. His basket contains, among other things, a sacrificial chicken and a quote-unquote arrow of Brahma. The arrow is, in this ritual is a straight branch with one end in the shape of an arrowhead. During the ceremony, it is used to help command and control certain supernaturals. At one point in the ceremony, a person assisting will be possessed by the spirit of Sun... I'm not going to even try anymore. Sunyam. Uh, he will take the sacrificial chicken and stomp around the patient. The Yakaduras will use the arrow to force his compliance in leaving the patient alone. So here you kind of see some similarities calling on the great Buddha to help with the exorcism. Um, you see different um, tools to help with the exorcism, uh, not doing it alone, again, uh, a part of this ritual. So I thought that that was kind of fascinating, and there are some similarities between uh, at, at least Christian and Catholic exorcism to the Buddhist exorcism, only in the, those little bit of things that I just said. Right. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that we'll actually find uh, relatively similar amongst all of these different faiths, is that there is indeed a similarity between all of them for exorcism. And, and then, of course we've heard from so many people how it's like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter what path you choose. They all lead to the same place. And the reason they believe that is because all the stories in many of these books are very similar. Uh, and these are, of course, could very well be the same account of whatever the history is that it's telling, but they're spinning it with whichever God or goddess that is present in their faith. Um, and so there's, there's a lot that goes into that, you know, to consider. Um, the other thing, of course, is that they all have demons. All these that we're going to be talking about, all these faiths have demons in them. Maybe they're not called demons necessarily. Maybe they're called well, right. I was going to say you know, Buddhism, is, it's evil spirits. I think it's the same for Hindu. They don't call them demons. They're evil spirits. Right. 
but generally speaking, when, if you looked up the description of what these evil spirits were or are, uh, you would see that they are very similar to what Christianity would call a demonic entity or, you know, what we would consider a jinn as well, um, magical evil entities. So I guess evil is evil. <laughs> Did you want to go into Hinduism? Yeah, I'm going to Hinduism. <clears throat> so, so beliefs and practices pertaining to the practice of exorcism are prominently connected with Hindus uh, in a number of ways. Now, of the four Vedas or the holy books of the Hindus, the Atharva Veda is said to contain the secrets related to exorcism magic and alchemy the basic means of exorcism are the mantra and the i think it's pronounced a yajna uh, used both in vedic and tantric traditions these traditions also em- employ a recita- recitation of names of uh, various narashima and reading scriptures uh, which again is very similar to to the christian uh, mm. faith you know this is again they're looking up to god to uh a god to to come down and cast this entity out for them now according to gita maharamaya uh reading the third seventh and ninth chapter of the bhagavad i think it's how that's spelled <laughs> The Bhagavad, the Bhagavad Gita, I think. Bhagavad Gita, right? Uh, reading the, those three chapters, third, seventh, and ninth, and mentally offering the result to departed persons helps them to get released from their ghostly situations, which is an interesting idea here, mentally offering mm. the result to a departed. So well, I'll talk about that in a moment. Because that's interesting, actually. Uh, as they do this, they will also continue their their mantras, keeping scriptures and holy pictures of the deities Shiva, Vishnu, Hanuman, Brahma, and Shakti, uh, among several others, uh, in the house, burning incense offered to Puju, uh, sprinkling water from the holy rivers, and blowing conches. I think it's conches used in puja. Uh, are also used as various effective practices. So it's believed through Hinduism that praying to Lord Hanuman gives the best result, uh, as mentioned to the, or as mentioned in the Hanuman uh, chalice, which is, go figure, the the one named after this Lord is the one who says, "Hey, this is <laughs> right." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's believed that chanting his name makes the evil forces and devils tremble in fear. So what's really interesting, as I said about this one, going back a little bit here, is mentally offering the result to departed persons. Um, it's it's interesting because of two things. Well, one is in Catholicism, and even many Christian aspects, the exorcist will actually call upon various saints, saints that are departed, mm-hmm. of course, right? Peter, John, you know, so on and so forth. So they're more or less doing the same thing here, but they're doing it mentally. So they're not speaking them out loud. They're just thinking of it. And that, again, when you, when you look back at the Christian scriptures, Jesus says very clearly Believe that you have received what you've requested and it will be done for you. And it's this idea that if you, whatever you're praying for, if you truly believe that you, that, that prayer has already been accepted and acknowledged and given to you, then it's already done. Uh, but the faith has to be, mind you, faith the size of a mustard seed. Mustard seeds are really small, but that is even very difficult for humanity to come across. Uh, so this is serious faith, but the idea is believe in it and it could happen. So, and I think that's what's happening here uh, during the ritual of Hinduism is that they're 
believing that whatever their mental thoughts are to the to to the deceased, that that deceased is going to in some way be able to empower uh, the ability of reading this person of this evil entity. Right. Well, as I read through a lot of the stuff, the I mean, the really interesting thing about all of this is that the Abrahamic faiths, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, uh, you see a lot more similarities than in these three than you do in the, the others. Um, so I wanted to go into Islam because I thought this was actually kind of interesting. And again, I do apologize if I, I butcher these words. Um, I, I just do not know how to pronunciate them, but... Uh, terms of exorcism practices include Tard Allah Shaitan al Jin, which translates to expulsion of the demon, the spirit, Elaj, which translates to treatment, and Ibra al Masru, uh, curing the possessed. But also Rukya, enchantment, is used to exercise various spirits. Islamic ex exorcisms might consist of the treated person lying down while a sheikh places a hand on a patient's head and recites verses from the Quran, but this is not mandatory. The drinking or sprinkling of holy water, again, we see that symbolism of holy water, both uh, Christianity, Hindu, and Islam. Um, water from the Zamzam well may also take place along with applying of clean, non-alcohol-based perfumes called itar. Uh, specific verses from the Quran are recited, which glorify God, uh, the throne verse uh, specifically, and invoke God's help. In some cases, the adhan, call for daily prayers, is also read, and this has the effect of repelling non-angelic unseen beings or the jinn. Uh, the Islamic prophet Muhammad taught his followers to read the last three surahs from the Quran, uh, Surat al-Ikhlas, uh, which is the fidelity, Surat al-Falak, the dawn, and Surat an-Nas, mankind. Hadiths reporting Muhammad, but also Jesus, performing exorcism rites serve as example and permissibility for exorcism rites. Um, so again, it's, it basically is saying usually a sheik will do this, but anybody can. Um, so that's something that is actually really interesting and similar to non-denominational Christianity. Um, and again, like I said, you see the holy water and that symbolism too, uh, Similar to Christian or to Catholicism, uh, they use perfumes like itar. Uh, a lot of times in Catholicism, you'll see frankincense and myrrh being used. I don't know if it's specifically put into the ritual for exorcism or not, but um, we do use those in Catholicism. Um, and calling on the help of God. Again, kind of a slim. Uh, similar thing throughout each of these these faiths. Don't you know that you're a grown up? I'm a grown up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days being a grown up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> right. Yeah, and really, it's not, again, like you had mentioned earlier, Judaism, uh, Judaism is not far off either. Uh, mind you, these are all faiths that are very close to each other in terms of uh, worldly aspects. So their countries are literally right next to each other. So there's a lot of, um, put it this way, when Jesus 
performed his work in year 30 to 33 of his life. Uh, from there, the gospel spread like wildfire and it spread to these particular kingdoms first or these cities, these towns. Uh, you have the Jews, you have the Muslims, of course you have the, the Christians um, and they all more or less have the same basic origin, uh, but the stories have changed a little in their books as they mm. new books have come out for them, like the Quran, um, for example. So there is a lot of similarities for good reason. But as with anything, it's kind of like, I, I don't know if it's so much that somebody takes the story and then says, oh, I don't like that it's Jesus. Let's, let's do this instead. Like in Islam, they never, they don't actually believe that Jesus is God. They believe that he was just uh, um, I believe he's a prophet. Yep. Yeah, he was a prophet, a powerful prophet, but just a prophet. Uh, whereas in Christianity, we believe that he's God, uh, God incarnate. 100% human, 100% God. So <clears throat> it, it makes sense that their exorcism, exorcism rituals aren't far off either. And it's the same way with Judaism, um, Judaism, however you want to pronounce it. So I'm not going to go too much into that one. But basically, again, there there's a book. They're going to recite various prayers out of it. Uh, there's also a group of 10 adult males who gather in a circle around the possessed person. Uh, and this particular group will actually recite Psalm 91 three times. And then a rabbi or the rabbi, who's the exorcist, will blow a ram's horn. And the ram's horn is going to be blown in a number of notes and tones in an effect to shatter the body uh, so that the possessing force will be broken loose or shaken loose. Uh, after it's been shaken loose, the rabbi begins to communicate with it and ask it questions such as why it is possessing the body of the possessed. Uh, and then the minion, these are the 10, uh, the 10 adult males, uh, they may pray for it and perform a ceremony for it in order to enable it to feel safe uh, and so that it can leave the person's body. So it, this isn't necessarily for evil spirits per se. Um, it's just, it, it, all it talks about is a possessed person. This could be an evil spirit, mm -hmm. it could be a good spirit. Uh, but either way, it looks like, based on the information I could find uh, for Judaism, is that the reason that they're trying to make the spirit feel comfortable is so that it has a reason to leave. So it doesn't feel like it has to stay or should stay, uh, which is very different from everything else we've shared so far and will share Uh the idea of making a spirit feel safe. So sort of the come out uh, of the body is interesting. The, the other right. thing though, that I, that is actually, it just dawned on me when I was reading this, uh, the rabbi blows the ram's horn and it quote unquote shatters the body. What I find interesting about that or the idea behind that is that, well, I think everybody has heard of um, uh, the walls of Jericho, right? The wall of Jericho mm -hmm. that fell per Joshua. They marched around uh, the wall. I think it was seven days or something like that. Uh, and then he blew a, at the end of each day, he would blow a ram's horn. And at the end of the seventh day, he blew it and the walls collapsed. Obviously it created some sort of earthquake or something. And now here we're seeing that the rabbi is blowing a ram's horn and it's quote unquote shaking uh, or trying to shatter the body, probably much like how the walls had fall around Jer fallen around Jericho. Uh, so I think there's a bit of a connection there, probably, for sure. Uh, obviously, it's a physical connection of the wall uh, to a more spiritual connection here um, right. for the body. So very interesting. Well, and, and really what they're, what they're doing is shattering the body from what it looks like here, you know, shattering the, the connection from the, the spirit to our body is really what it's talking about. Um, and I think that that's, um, an interesting concept is to, to blow the Ram's horn, um, where in pretty much a lot of the other ones, I haven't seen anything where they use any, um, 
what we would call musical instruments, I guess you could say, to do it. Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting too. And the fact that they repeat a, just one specific uh, Psalm 91 three times, and that's it. Nothing else to right. do except for that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, last one, as far as faith-based is concerned, uh, that I came across and I believe Eric came across as Taoism. Um, and again, this is kind of a, a similar thing. Uh, exorcisms are performed because an individual has been possessed by an evil spirit for one of two reasons. This is an interesting concept here. Uh, the individual has disturbed a ghost regardless of intent and the ghost now seeks revenge. Now, the interesting thing about that is Eric and I have talked about this numerous times and have come across it when we were doing, uh, you know, in-person paranormal investigation uh, is that a lot of times people will report paranormal activity when you are doing something to a house, even more specifically a house that you've just bought, you're renovating it, and then activity starts ramping up. So it's interesting to see that uh, the individual has disturbed a ghost regardless of intent, and the ghost seeks revenge. Kind of puts a spin on what we think of today in, in our theories about paranormal activity that we, in, in, most cases that and Eric you can deny or, or affirm this is that uh, the ghost in any paranormal activity when it comes to uh, doing renovations on a home or you move into a house and they say it's haunted uh, not once do you ever hear somebody say oh the ghost is out for revenge right no that's <laughs> that's usually <laughs> something that comes later after much investigation and learning about what this ghost might be so right so um going further an alive person could also be jealous and use black magic to uh exact revenge uh conjuring a ghost to possess someone members of the fa shi both chinese ritual officers and priests ordained by a celestial master perform chinese rituals in particular exorcisms Historically, Taoist exorcisms include chanting, physical movements, and praying as a way to drive away the spirits. Rituals such as these occur during festivals. Um, rituals such as these are considered of low order during these festivals as well, which is actually really interesting too. Uh, they are more for entertainment than a, a, necessi uh, a necessity during festivals. The leaders of the exorcisms create a dramatic performance to call out the demons so the village can once again have peace. The leaders strike themselves with a sharp weapon so they bleed. The blood is considered to be a protector, so after the ritual, the blood is blotted with a tissue and put on the door of houses as an act of protection against evil spirits. So the I, I think... Taoism specifically compared to all these other ones that we've talked about, this is not a necessity when it comes to exercising bad spirits from the human body. It's more of a entertainment thing at festivals, and it's not even a high priority. Um, pretty much all the other ones that we've talked about, these other faiths take it very seriously in the sense that they feel that this person will not survive if the exorcism is is done or isn't done. Um, in Taoism, it looks, and this is just going by what we're, we've come across. If there's other uh, books that we can read or, or anything like that on this stuff, I highly recommend that you guys recommend them to us so that we can educate ourselves. Um, but I found that kind of really interesting when it comes to all the other faiths we talked about. And then this one we come across and it's like, well, it's not really that big of a deal. Right. Yeah. And it, we, especially in like China and Japan and countries where there's this really uh, deep, um, I guess this deep celebrational celebratory type of aspect of their history you know this is mm -hmm. uh, one of those things the reason that they 
have these festivals, you know, uh, they, they actually, uh, it's a way to celebrate the spirits as opposed to actually casting them out. Uh, and my guess is maybe they actually do perform exorcisms at some point and maybe they do dance and do the, you know, to us, it's weird to them. I'm sure it's not, well, but it's right. really no different right. than, uh, you know, jumping back a couple of months to October when we, I mean, again, nowadays, no one really thinks of it, but when you put your, uh, your jack-o'-lantern out on the front porch, it's to ward off evil spirits. Kind of a weird right. thing, because why would an evil spirit be scared of a pumpkin with a right. smiling face or whatever? You know, so it's kind right. of the same same aspect there, uh, but their traditions are pretty deep rooted, and for all we know, uh, there could be a, a pretty good reason why they do this dancing ritual. Oh, right. What it comes from. Right. I wish I did. I wish we could know more, but especially with like uh, China, it's some of their history is very hard to come across. They they keep Mm -hmm. things very secretive for a reason. Um, We don't know that reason, but they are. They're very secretive people. So, you know, it's really interesting though, for sure. What was fascinating about this is it goes into exorcism and mental illness, scientific view, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, basically in scientific view, um, d- demonic possession is not a psychiatric or medical diagnosis recognized by either the DSM-5 or the ICD-10. Those who profess a belief in demonic possession have sometimes ascribed to possession the symptoms associated with physical or mental illnesses such as hysteria, mania, psychosis, Tourette's, epilepsy, schizophrenia, or disassociative identity disorder. So basically, science says possession doesn't exist. Right. Um, And the even more interesting thing about this is we talked about Christianity specifically, I don't know if the rituals are same as far as when it comes to determining if a person is mentally or physically ailed in any way for the other cultures or belief systems, if they do any type of research for that. But uh, Christianity specifically and, and Catholicism, um, they, they're doing this research of has this person been uh diagnosed as mentally ill has this person been diagnosed with a disease such as these ones that i just named um to determine if there is a logical reason for this was there anything that you came across that that says otherwise eric as to whether as to whether or not there's a logical reason or no no no, these other cultures do the similar thing of doing this background type information. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just, you don't want to waste time and energy on something that is curable by medicine, maybe, you know, uh, whatever that medicine may be. Also performing an exorcism on somebody who's maybe mentally unstable and that's their illness uh, and not, I don't mean mentally unstable as in you never know what they're going to do next, but just if they're depressed or if they have split personality disorder or something like that, right. do, you know, performing an exorcism can wreak havoc on that person, but it can also wreak havoc on the, the perfect person performing the exorcism, mainly because no matter how many times you do the exorcism, nothing's going to change because the problem isn't a spirit. It's the mind. Of the person right uh so you have to be sure that you know what the correct diagnosis is before you go and perform whatever healing you need to perform you know it's like oh justin you have a cold i mean i'm not going to treat your cold by telling you to do push-ups it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. Right. You probably get sicker uh, if you exert your body too much because if your muscles are broken down, your body's broken down, now you've got uh, your immune system trying to fight the broken down muscle tissue while also trying to fight an illness. 
and it's going to clash and you're going to end up more sick. So, and it's the same thing with exorcisms here. Uh, if you're trying to combat a mental illness or a physical illness uh, with exorcism, you're just providing the wrong medication and you're not going to win. So I think pro providing the, or getting the right information to begin with the right diagnosis uh, is important in that respect. Uh, it, you want to make sure that you're going to help them no matter what. And that might mean, oh, you're not possessed. You just need this. Maybe you need psychological help, somebody to talk to, some medication, right. who knows. Right. All right. Anything else that you had on exorcism before we go to break? Nope. Okay. All right, folks, you've been listening to Paratruth Radio right here on New Lantern Media. Uh, we've got a little um, break here, and we will be right back. Hey, everyone. I'm Kat Ward, host of Paranormal Heart. Join me on the second and last Sunday of each month as I speak to people who share their paranormal experiences. We talk about ghosts, cryptids, aliens and UFOs, and so much more. You can follow me on Podbean, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and any place you find fine podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we have taught, we have been talking about the rights of exorcism, and not just here in America, but the various countries and various faiths, how they interconnect, and of course, how they are very much different from one another. Uh, and really what we did learn tonight is that there is a lot of connection. There's a lot of similarities between the various exorcism rights uh, to various cultures. Uh, much of that is, of course, uh, following a certain set of rituals uh, or a certain set of rites, whether that be prayer or learning the name of, of an entity that's possessing the person. The other is having groups of people with you. You're never alone. You always have at least uh, two or more people with you. And then, of course, it's calling upon other entities to help you, whether those be uh, the deceased uh, whether they be angels, whether it be God, uh, or a number of gods, depending on the culture. So there are a lot of very interesting similarities between them with, of course, several dissimilarities, um, such as we see in the, the, the Toism. Uh, so when you look at these various cultures, I mean, what do you think? Because we've said this before, too is people are becoming more spiritual as of late. People are looking mm -hmm. for something more uh, and they're asking questions. And I'm not saying that uh, everybody <clears throat> is looking or is trying to fill that gotcha toll because not everybody knows that there is one, but people are looking and seeing, oh, hauntings might be real. Ghosts might be real. If right. they're real, maybe demons are real. Demons are real. Maybe God is real. God is real. Well, how much bigger is the universe? Um, but what is it about I guess, spiritualism and just in culture in general, uh, what is it that you think makes it so interesting to individuals who are either currently seeking spiritualism or who have yet to break into it, but are considering looking into it? Um, I think the biggest thing is people are so afraid of, not having control over their lives um so they're they're trying to seek knowledge about things that we can't see um and i think really what it that's really what it boils down to is we're so afraid and, and we talked about fear a couple of episodes ago about how you don't want it to control you uh but we're so afraid of things that we can't see that we start doing this research to try and find a way to control it. I think, in my opinion, that's that's the biggest thing. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think it's, uh, I do agree. I think it's a lot of just trying to know the unknown. You know, there, there's mm-hmm. so many things that happen, not just with 2020, but just in life in general, where people are like, right. well, why did this happen? Or why is that happening? You know, why am I going right. through this situation? So, yeah, I think it's trying to know the unknown. And that leads everybody down this similar road, you know, not always the same road, but a very similar one that leads to various branches of the spiritual tree. Um, Mm -hmm. In our case, it's always, you know, there's so many ghosts and hauntings and things like that. Uh, Little inter uh, intersecting lines behind the shadows of our lives that are maybe crossing each other or pulling the string a little bit, depending on your beliefs. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it's natural that people are going to, to, to come to the, some of these conclusions. Um, and it's natural because whether you believe it or not, we're spiritual people. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's very few people, I think, that'll say, oh, no, humanity, like, they don't have a soul. We don't have a soul. I don't have a soul. I think right. everyone believes in a soul, whatever that soul is, you know, and whether or not there's a difference between the soul and the spirit, you know, there's, that's, again, another thing that's up to, to debate. But the idea is there is a difference. Um, the soul being the breath of life and the spirit being the spirit of God, um, literally the spirit of God. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. And I know like for you and I, we've tracked down this road a long time ago uh, mm-hmm. and continue to get deeper into it. No matter how many times you walk away or try to walk away, it's like, eh, no, you <laughs> That's the problem. That's the problem with this type of road is right. once you get down it, you're not going back. You got to see it all the way through. Well, yeah, I mean, and I've talked to you personally about this, about um, specifically Paratruth Radio and, and podcasting as a whole, at, at least paranormal podcasting, is I, I want to give it up. You know, I, I, I don't think we're going to do anything further with it. But then I come back to it and it's like, yeah, now something else has come up that I, I want to do research on <laughs> and, and, I, and I can't give it up. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you 100% on that, too. Um, but um, was, was there anything going through these different rituals and rites that you, you found fascinating or, or you saw similarities and you're like, wow, that's that's really really interesting um yeah actually there is one thing and this was when i was on a website called usccb.com and that is uh the united states conference of catholic bishops and there's this whole session on exorcisms uh that includes an introduction followed by a number of questions and each question is answered uh either by an exorcist or it doesn't specify who it's by but uh there's some interesting answers it tells you kind all of like about... facts or faqs for yeah, exorcism exactly exactly uh well the thing is what i what i learned is that there's two types of exorcism there's a major exorcism and then there's minor exorcisms and what's interesting about that because i don't well First of all, do you know the difference between a major and minor exorcism? Uh, I did not delve into the research for that. So, no, I don't know the difference. Right. So, uh, a major exorcism is obviously what we know as exorcisms. When you think of exorcisms, you think of the exorcist, this exorcist, you know, mm-hmm. this rite of exorcism and casting out a demonic entity. Uh, and that's exactly what it is it's an exorcism that takes place when a person is possessed by an evil spirit. A minor exorcism is something that's, that everybody can do. You don't have to be ordained. You can just be a normal person or a Christian or, or whatever. You know, you, you maybe you don't maybe you don't even have a faith, but it's still something you can do uh, if you're looking for a possible way out, you know, and that is uh, of the situation you're in. And that is by simply um, exercising your personal demons or exercising the demons that might have influence on you in some way. So we're not talking about possession, but influential possession, meaning uh, this is more of a uh, oppression 
mm. as opposed to possession. So if you're depressed or, or maybe you have a, a drinking problem or something like that, these are things you can pray about and get yourself right with God. These are minor exorcisms. You're trying to cast out certain entities or cast away certain entities uh, via prayer. And you'll see minor exorcisms most commonly uh, in people before baptism. A priest or a pastor might come to them and they'll say a prayer upon them and they'll try to get them right with God. Um, they'll ask them questions, you know, why do you devote yourself to God? Why, why do you want baptism? Stuff like that. Uh, and the idea is, of course, to, to open your, your heart and your mind to the presence of the Lord and cast out whatever these entities are that might be encircling us at the time. So that's the main difference between major exorcism and minor exorcisms. One is literally casting out a demonic entity from a person. The other one is casting away oppression, basically. That is interesting because, in at least in most pop culture, uh, you know, movies, books, you don't see that part. the The minor exorcisms um, in in uh, Catholicism, you just see the I'm casting a demon out of a person. Where in non denominational Christianity. Uh, you you see that that there's oppression, and then possession, right? Um, or is it oppression, influence, and and possession? Isn't there three of them? Uh, it yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's oppression, influence, or more so influence and oppression. Um, right. You know, I, idea, I'm sure I'm getting that mixed yeah. up. <laughs> uh, I th I think it's you. You have to be influenced by spirit which can then draw oppression from you okay. before fully possessing you. that makes sense yeah uh, so for example this is just an example uh maybe maybe you're not a drinker maybe you're not much of a drinker but then you're influenced to drink and then you continue to drink but that drink leads to depression over many months or years or whatever that depression is now becoming an even bigger burden than the drinking and the drinking is nonstop. well now you're in oppression being oppressed by the same spirit that led you to drink in the first place. And if you allow yourself to go down a certain road and draw far enough away from God and even start to talk to whatever your entities are, your demons are, they can potentially possess you if they can break you. Uh, and that's the big thing that I think you have to be aware of when it comes to spiritual warfare. Uh, it, basically be vigilant because you have to be broken before you can be possessed. Uh, now there's a safeguard supposedly, uh, for Christians, the people who believe in God, who have accepted Christ in their hearts. That's where the Holy Spirit comes into play. It's an automatic, no demons allowed type of situation. <laughs> you know, uh, a demon can't live in the same house as God. Just can't happen. Uh, so the people that you see possessed are typically people who aren't Christian or who aren't, um, who aren't, don't have their lives filled with, with God. So uh, that's one thing to consider and keep in mind. If you're worried about becoming possessed by an evil spirit, uh, the best way to avoid it is to stay vigilant of the situation. If you find yourself becoming more depressed, being alone more often because of your depression, and you start having suicidal thoughts, uh, things like that, those are warning signs that you need to seek help. Uh, and that's, in that case, medical attention or spiritual guidance, and probably both, because uh, they're both going to play hand in hand and help a great deal. So uh, always be vigilant of yourself and people that you surround yourself with. We've talked about that in the past. There's a lot of things we've talked about in the past. We've been on mm -hmm. for so many years. Uh, but thinking again back to when we discussed um, a psychic vampirism, having certain individuals in your life who drain the energy from you. Be vigilant of who those in individuals are because if they're draining your energy well now you no longer have energy to fight your demons and those demons can and of course i say demons both literally and figuratively but um you know you let that kind of thing become strong enough well you're going to give into it and instead of you controlling the demon in the situation or well, now that demon situation controls you and that's when you start to crumble in on yourself Right. All right, folks. Um, not to put a downer on 2021, but 
Um, that is the exorcism episode for us. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I truly was um, enjoying digging into this because, like I said at the beginning, we've Eric and I specifically have only kind of delved into the Christian faith as far as exorcism is concerned, but we we've never kind of delved into other faiths uh, as as to what their exorcism rites are and what their beliefs are about that. But um, I, I think it was really really interesting, and I think we covered pretty much. Um, I'm I'm sure there's other faiths that we we didn't cover but those are some of the major ones so if you guys have any information um we would love to peruse it because it was kind of very limited when we were googling um this information and unfortunately in my library of books i don't have a huge array of exorcism books and especially ones that go into other faiths so um anything further that you wanted to bring up before we head out? Nope. I uh, just hope everybody is having a great start to their year. I hope that continues for another good long path into the, the new year. So everyone stay safe as always, you know, it's crazy out there and we'll catch yep. you in next time. Same time, same place until then. My name is Eric and I'm Justin. Peace. This That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.